Hi there, and welcome to Polyamory Uncensored, a podcast where we, your hosts, Lindsay Miller and Katie Williams, interview a poly person each episode, and we try to answer the five points of journalism. Who, what, when, where, and why, as it pertains to our poly lives. Welcome to episode 58, where we're talking with Sandy. This is one of our new special update episodes. Stay tuned as we talk about the good, the bad, the ugly, and the just plain complicated truths about our poly lives. So Sandy, the last episode you were on was episode 14, Choose Your Own Adventure, Sandy. And this was a year and a half ago. So who are you now? Well, I am still a white cis bisexual woman living in Milwaukee. I'm still a lifelong Milwaukee and that hasn't changed. I don't think that much about my identity has changed since the last time I was on the podcast. I think I think mostly what's changed for me is is my relationships, my poly life and kind of how I how I look at poly, but I don't think that much about the rest of my identity has changed. And I still firmly identify as poly. That has not changed. Well, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> so, what does polyamory mean to you now? Well, on the last episode, I talked about how you know, polyamory for me was a choose your own adventure. And, and I love that it, it forced that in relationships. It kind of encouraged and forced you to, to design relationships that really met your needs and your partner's needs. And that I still firmly identify with. And I can't believe it was only a year and a half ago. Um, a year and a half ago, I had two partners. I had two kind of anchor partners, both cis white men, um, Dan and Peter. I'm still with both of them. But I also talked a lot about how I was absolutely polysaturated and there was no chance of, of dating more. And the people in my life have changed. And of course, the world has changed around us. And so I think I've become a little, a little less rigid in my own rules for, for how I'm approaching poly. Um, I don't call myself polysaturated anymore, though. I'm also not dating and actively looking for new partners, but (laughs) you're afraid of the curse word of saying you're polysaturated. I definitely draw. Uh (laughs) I definitely very firmly said I was polysaturated. And by the end of the year, I had a comment who had become um, a very serious comet. Um, and I think you guys have talked about it before, but a comet being a partner that you don't see a ton, often they live in another place. And when they come around re- somewhat regularly, you're together, but when you're not, you're not killing yourselves over it. Um, so not quite the same as a long distance relationship. Um, and this person was just a long-term friend and it finally clicked and great. Um, and then I also started dating someone else and that has become quite serious. <laughs> and I don't think that we should be coy about it. It's me. <laughs> <laughs> it would come out. Yeah. <laughs> and so, I mean, I laugh a lot about saying I was, I was polysaturated and then finding out that no, in fact, there was room in my life for these other people. Um, part of how there was room in my life for other people is, I didn't have room for two other partners where the relationship looked just like the ones I already had. That was probably true, but my relationships with these two other people are very different. Katie is solo poly. She, you know, has her own place and her own family and does not want to be at my house 24 (laughs) seven. I like coming over to your house, Uh but it is true that I do not want to be there 24 seven. And, and my comet partner, by very nature, obviously, um, I was seeing maybe once a month. And 
now that there's a pandemic, I, I haven't seen him since before that started and probably won't until things are safer. And actually, I think in the pandemic, we are probably seeing more of each other than we would have been able to in the before times. Yes. Because all the other things that we both would normally have been doing are not happening anymore. Mm -hmm. Though it didn't start that way. In the very beginning of the pandemic, we were completely quarantining. Um, I only saw my nesting partner and that was it. I didn't see any other partners, just the occasional text or video chat. Um, and so Katie and I didn't see each other for months. I didn't see Peter for months. Yeah, we didn't we see waited each other a long in real time. life. We had some backyard hangouts in the early summer, and, but we didn't see each other see each other till August 1st. Mm -hmm. That's right. It was exactly August 1st. Yes, it was. <laughs> I also happened I also happened to get mono in the middle of a pandemic. Don't ask me how. And so I had to quarantine from everyone because of that as well. So poly to me, just, just to circle back to the actual question, um, it still means making your own relationships that meet everyone's needs as best you can. But I think I've also realized like I can be a little more chill with myself about that and not, I don't look at poly as being about a lot of rigid rules and I think I've learned to embrace that a little bit more myself. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you had been looking at it more rigidly than you realized. I absolutely think so. That's really interesting. I'm curious about that because you don't seem like a person who has a lot of rigid rules in your life. I think that for me, I think it actually had a lot to do with anxiety. I'm definitely I'm like diagnosed with anxiety, you know, see a therapist, take meds, all that kind of stuff. And on the last podcast, I talk, talked about doing some casual dating and how my anxiety ended up skyrocketing when I would go on a few dates with somebody that seemed to want more of my time than I was able to give. And so I think I really, I mean, I think I had the healthy realization of, okay, this isn't a thing I should be doing, is dating these new people. But I think I also went so far as to go, that means I'm polysaturated. That means nothing, no new relationships. Let's place these rules to protect myself from the anxiety that was happening with it. Um, and so I think in that respect, I did actually put that rigid rule on myself. I wasn't putting, you know, there weren't like rules coming up with my partners. Like we didn't really have rules between us. There was nothing happening with any of that, but just, I think I self-imposed some really rigid rules of, we just may not think about new partners. We will not, you know, we will not be going on dates. We will not be doing anything. And so maybe it was just one rigid rule, <laughs> <laughs> but I think it was anxiety brain. That makes sense to me. Mm -hmm. So where are you on your poly journey now? Weirdly, I am closer to being in the poly commune situation that we all talk about wanting um, than I've ever been before. And I don't know how much I was looking for that before. So we eventually, once we got to a point in pandemic of, okay, we need to be as safe as possible, but there needs to be a little bit more human contact in our lives. And so we formed a pandemic pod. So Katie and I are in it together. My husband, my partner, Peter. Nicole from the last episode. And Nicole from the last episode, <laughs> um, who is a very good friend and also neighbor. And she's also solo poly and she lives alone. And so like, especially the solo poly folks need a little contact. And so we very thoughtfully and carefully chose that to like kind of make this little pandemic pod together and we've actually been kind of brainstorming plans too of like how do we get through the winter without going crazy in a pandemic mm -hmm. um and nicole actually i give credit for like brainstorming so much of this stuff and having really good ideas of like okay we now have more than one house we can go to a change of scenery helps 
and you know, like, let's come up with ideas for fun things we can do, but also projects we can do around the house and things like that. And it's really turned into this wonderful pod family situation. Um, We're not a commune. We each have our own spaces still, but there's been family dinners and we found a couple of safe kid-friendly things we can do for Halloween so we could take the kids with, like an activity at the zoo where you don't get out of the car and things like that. And we've been doing a lot of these little, from fun things like that to just, I have to go to the store. Does anyone else need anything? So we don't all have to go to the store this week. Mm -hmm. And I love it so much. I am loving this support network we've built up. I'm loving this. We kind of call it a podcule because... When it, when it started, I don't know how much Nicole 100% identified as being poly. So I was, I think we came up with pod kills to try and be inclusive of, she can, she can call herself whatever she wants. <laughs> and, and I think that parts of that are also like, you know, embracing relationship anarchy. Like Nicole, she's family. She's, she's part of this. It doesn't matter if she's officially dating someone or not, like whatever. She, she's right. in the pod. She's in the polycule whatever right. she's part of the family it doesn't whether she's romantically or sexually she says she has a smoochie friend who is in our she does she has a smoochie <laughs> friend but there's no criteria of what qualifies you for being in this group like no we just we care about you so that, and I'm I'm loving that I'm loving that situation and I'm loving all the caring for each other and I'm loving I'm just I'm loving our little commune <laughs> everyone get I have, a pandemic commune. I have teased Sandy a little bit about being a collector of people and like uh-huh. it but in the best sense really like that's that's really how I sort of think of the way you have kind of organized this and it's so caring and helpful and mm-hmm. There's enough people that the when uh, Nicole talked in the last episode about sometimes you need to have these wonderful friends, then you need them to go away. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. There's enough people that, you know, there somebody can say go away and nobody feels alone and rejected mm-hmm. because of somebody else's need to be alone. And the needs of all of the, you know, everyone's needs are being taken care of. Yeah. Yeah. I mentioned um, in the last episode that I'd had a really bad week and boy, was it great to be able to, when I finally was done dealing with the, you know, whatever the thing at the moment was, because there were crises in many dimensions of my life last week, that there was dinner that I could just come over and eat and, You know, or when I was getting super anxious about needing to make some physical space changes in my house, I could just say like, can, you know, I need to do this now. And Sandy was like, I will come help you. Uh-huh. Like, oh, wait, what? <laughs> and I think, I think for the most part, like my poly journey, like, I don't know that I have set goals for what my life and my relationships will look like after the pandemic, because I can't think that far ahead. I don't know that anyone can. Like I sometimes will say, I call before the pandemic, the before times. And I'll say things like when we have a new normal, because Mm -hmm. I don't know what it's going to look like or when it's going to be. But I hope that we have some, some degree of this. I mean, I'm sure, you know, once we're able to, we're going to see more friends and family again. Of course we are. And we'll Someday we'll all get to again. come to the poly group again It'll and be sit so... around on uncomfortable folding chairs at the tool shed. <laughs> It'll be great. I can hardly wait. I've never missed an uncomfortable folding chair so much. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
I think that, you know, who knows what the future is going to bring, but like this, this version of chosen family, this is what I want. And I, I love it so much. And it's God, it's helping me get through this pandemic. <laughs> so along those questions, we also had a, uh, what and when has changed. So, I mean, <laughs> well, there's this thing called coronavirus. <laughs> right. Right. If you're listening to this 12 years from now, <laughs> we are currently, it is currently October. So we are currently in month, whatever of, of the pandemic. Um, and there's an election looming, which is stressful for everyone. So, I mean, the biggest thing that has changed is literally the, the partners in my life, the, the Comet and Katie. But I think also, you, you know, Peter hasn't been able to be around as much in the same way. Mm-hmm. So while well, he's been around a lot, this week yeah like his home life has changed a lot and you that's changed your relationship yes so and i I mentioned this last time that um peter lives 40 minutes away but that his daughter goes to school in milwaukee and he worked very close to our house and neither of those things are true anymore i mean she does go to school in milwaukee but this is virtual schooling and Peter was laid off from his job. Everyone at where he works, everyone was. Um, oh, wow. And yeah, so, and he's doing okay. He, I mean, he lives, he's got a support network. And so he's got folks he lives with. He has very minimal expenses. So he's doing okay. But we used to see each other almost every day because he'd have time to kill while his daughter was at dance class and he would just be nearby. And so he'd come over and hang out every day. That doesn't happen anymore because he's, at home 40 minutes away with his daughter 40 minutes away and so trips into milwaukee now are very very rare and until recently he was completely he wasn't really in our bubble he was maintaining distance so when we saw each other it was mostly just you know masked six feet away outside and i i also had only seen his daughter like twice and i'm very close with her so that was really hard too so this week as he's been literally staying in our like they've been staying in our guest room and working on a project, we've gotten to see them very, very much, which has been wonderful. Also stressful because suddenly I'm helping parent a nine-year-old full-time, <laughs> which I've never done before, which is wonderful, but also hard and exhausting. But yeah, that relationship has had to change. And I don't know that we've hundred percent sorted out like what that means in our brains yet, because we're both like in survival mode. Mm-hmm. We just it's start- like, this isn't real time right now. This is a different yeah. thing. It'll yeah. go back to normal, you know, hopefully. And, and then it'll be, we could talk about what our relationship is then, but right yeah. now is not a real time. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. He's, I mean, he's looking for a job at this point and now, and hopefully then we'll, he might end up getting an apartment that's closer, at which mm-hmm. point we can figure out what that means for our relationship. But right. This is not the time. <laughs> well, and I think we've also recognized he needs some additional support with, being a parent and so trying to figure out how can the rest of the podcule step up and help him and and what's emotionally available from the other people to do that because stepping into a quasi-parental role with a nine-year-old is a big deal and it's not easy and especially if you are a person who didn't you know, make the choice that you wanted to have children as part of your life journey to sort of suddenly have them around and be be the responsible adult is, um, you know, it's not an easy thing for any of the people involved. Yeah. And I I think we've actually done a 
pretty okay job. I mean, I think we're I think we're all a little bit reeling after a week of quasi parenthood, but <laughs> but I think we've done our best to try and balance it and give people breaks where they need to and and the people in the podcule that are least interested in being parents get more time to themselves. <laughs> Put another way, Dan is actually doing really good with all of this, but it's been hard. <laughs> But I think this is going to be a moving target too, because at a minimum, we know for sure that remote learning is going to be going on at least through January. And hopefully, I, I mean, hopefully is a weird word for it. I think it would be responsible for that to be going on for a lot longer. But the upshot is like all of these things are pandemic needs that everybody's got to figure out how to help each other with because everybody is struggling really hard. And, you know, this is what the particular struggles look like here in the polycule world of Sandy, <laughs> which is so different than it looked like a year and a half ago. It is. It is. <laughs> I feel like, I feel like in a lot of ways, we're all back to Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Um, or the other way I like to think of things is we're all Sims. <laughs> that just, way seems less terrifying, but um, just, just in a, case anybody doesn't know what Maslow's hierarchy of needs are. Oh God, I don't know if I can give a good definition. Um, basically the most basic needs like um, shelter, food, safety are the things that have to be met before you can get to things like self-actualization. If you have a better definition. Please. No, that's good. Okay, great. <laughs> Or, you know, if you play Sims, they have little needs like bathroom and take a shower and hungry. <laughs> and and sometimes when the pandemic gets hard, I'm like, I, I just managed to do this one thing. I'm no longer hungry and everything else fell apart. And having, God, having other people to lean on, even if it's just to commiserate about it, which is what it is a lot of the time. It's really helping get through this sometimes, frankly, awful time. Yeah. Well, and sometimes you can feed someone and take care of that basic need of theirs. And like, it matters in a way that feels different than maybe it used to matter. And for but, me, I really, I really like nurturing people and taking care of people. And so for me, being able to feed people and help take care of stuff like that, like that makes me feel better. Like being- You're so good at it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, can't help it. <laughs> Uh, like be, being able to to make dinner for everybody like that's made me feel really good the, the way the kitchen looks afterward is terrible but we, you know I just try not to go in the kitchen for a while I owned that I did not clean up after cooking dinner I looked Peter right in the face and said I, I, I cleaned up a couple of things but you like cleaning things and I hate cleaning things so I'm letting you do that part this is another great thing about this group <laughs> At least when we're, when we're not in the <laughs> middle of major construction projects, we do have a good balance of people who like to cook and people who like to clean <laughs> and people who like to cook savory and people who like to bake sweets. It's beautiful. <laughs> it is nice. You have to have balance. Every polycule. It's mm -hmm. like a D&D &D campaign, right? Like <laughs> you, need all the, you need all the working parts. <laughs> Absolutely. We definitely have a bard. <laughs> we also were, I mean, there's definitely a joke about like, you know, you need a polycule big enough for a D&D &D party, but we recently realized we do have a podcule big enough <laughs> for a D&D &D party. And so we are actually going to get to play Dungeons and Dragons in person together. And we're very excited about it. <laughs> nice. I don't think I was present for that conversation, but I'm very excited. <laughs> so 
I think you've alluded to some of this, but I think that straight out asking might elucidate more interesting things. Why did you want to provide an update? I, I wanted to give an update partially because I just, every time I think about it, I laugh really hard. Um, there was a polygroup meeting at the end of the year where, you know, we were talking about, you know, things that had happened to us this, that year and poly resolutions and whatever. And I raised my hand and was like, I have a new comment that I'm so excited about. And I think one of you two was like, didn't you literally come on the podcast to talk about being polysaturated? I feel like I would have been that asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Lindsay's nicer than that. <laughs> I, I just, I laugh really hard every time I think about that. And, you know, sometimes, sometimes that's how life is. You say these things and then, you know, karma right. just bites you in the butt. Um, <laughs> I, the irony is real. Um, and so, you know, I feel like, I feel like so much has changed for my life, for my polycule and just for the world. I feel like everyone you interviewed before the pandemic could probably give you a meaty update because so much has changed for everyone. But so, yeah, I mean, that was kind of the biggest reason is I just, I feel like I'm in this completely different place than the last time. Those are good reasons. Yeah. All right. So we're going to take a quick break and we will be right back. Polyamory Uncensored is excited to announce a brand new product. We have designed a planner and journal specifically geared for polyamorous individuals. If you're a fan of the podcast, you know that I love recommending journaling to our guests and audience members. After about the 50th time or so I caught myself suggesting it, I thought to myself, there should be a journal specifically designed for us polyamorous folks. One that includes a planner, because of course we be planning, and one that prompts us to go deep into our poly lives. You know, the good, the bad, the ugly, the just plain complicated truths. <laughs> and I wanted to put together a space where you could go if you needed to vent out all of those really hard poly drama feelings. So I designed the Polyamory Uncensored Planner and Journal. This little book includes a full year planner for the year 2021, as well as self-discovery pages, guided journal with polyamory themed prompts and resource guide pages so that you can keep track of the books and podcasts and websites that you find helpful in your poly journey. Get yours today for yourself or the thoughtful polyamorist in your life at tinyurl.com slash poly2021. That's tinyurl.com slash poly2021. In doing so, you support me and this podcast. Thank you so much. I love you. Bye. All right. Well, welcome back. So today I feel like we should talk a little bit more about pandemic pod bubbling, polyculing, uh, and uh, podiculing, uh, because I think that that's, that was a really interesting thing that both you and Nicole had had mentioned is that there's this like pod bubble that you guys have all started that has been sounding, it sounds really like a successful way to do it. And I kind of just wanted to break down for our listeners and for, you know, other poly people who might be interested in something like that, maybe what your safety precautions are, how you're doing it, and just like, what is the best way to get around doing something like that? 
I mean, I'll start by saying, of course, I'm not an expert. I'm not a medical expert. Everybody here yeah. works for you. Um, because we have no leadership in this country. We are all DIY epidemiologists and I hate it. And this is a thing that I get mad and stamp my feet about. Um, and so, yeah, sorry. I think we all do. Mm-hmm. So for us, it wasn't, we, we kind of added people to it little by little. So it started, I mean, Dan and I were together, obviously, because we live in the same house. It was unavoidable. <laughs> we were unavoidably in our own bubble. And then the first person we added was Nicole. Um, so the first start of the bubble, I guess, was the three of us. Um, she had moved in down the street. Like, she's literally across the street from us. And she was doing a lot of work getting the apartment ready. And she had a lot of stuff to do. And I was helping her a lot with like moving things and helping. And, and, you know, we were doing the full, like we were wearing masks and staying distant and all this. And we just started to talk about it. Like maybe this is the thing we should consider. So we did what all good polys do. And we talked it to death. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and we decided that logically it kind of made sense because, you know, we were close. She was living alone. She might go insane. And then we also, we talked about all of our safety protocols, talked about our potential risk factors. Dan and Nicole and I all are still working in offices. Nicole has very little contact with outside people. Mine is somewhat minimal. We do, I work in a funeral home um, as the office manager. So we do get people coming in to make arrangements. And during most of pandemic, there haven't been funerals. There are now, but they're very limited in size. But also funeral homes, because we have dead bodies, we are already used to taking a lot of safety precautions. So we upped our game, of course, immediately when when COVID broke, but we already had a lot of those protocols in place. So I feel like my work has been pretty safe. Dan, on the other hand, works at the airport. He works at TSA. And so he sees a lot of people every day. They're masks. They've been masked the whole time. And actually people at the airport, even before there was the statewide mandate about mask wearing, people were really good about wearing masks, which surprised me. But we still, at this point, still consider Dan probably the biggest exposure risk just because he sees more people. And we had all been tested. I want to say we'd all been tested twice at that point. And like talked about our safety protocols. Like, are you really wearing masks? How much are you wearing masks? How are you hand washing and disinfecting? And, you know, all of that. What people are you ever around? Who are you seeing, if anyone? And we really went into the nitty gritty of all of that. Heck, even more than I talk about risk factors with new sexual partners. Like, (laughs) well, most of the diseases (laughs) you can catch that way are less likely to kill you or put you in the hospital or yeah two days of an antibiotic and you're done who cares yeah. you know like in this in this day and age it's like who who except for pregnancy <laughs> it's 18 <laughs> years to life uh but otherwise there's so little that are that are as important or as dangerous as covid so yeah yep. um and so we really talked it all through and decided that we each decided for ourselves, Dan and I are married, but we're not one person. We're individuals. And each of us decided, I know it's shocking. (laughs) We have this very strange marriage. (laughs) (laughs) And each of us individually decided that we, those are acceptable risk factors for us. One thing Dan talked about, and I thought this was a good point is that we considered one thing about bubbling is we kind of have our own built-in contact tracing. If anyone has 
any signs of being sick, we trust that they're going to tell us right away so we can all go get tested, isolate, anything like that. And at one point, since we bubbled together, like Nicole got a cold and it was, it turned out it was just a cold or allergies. It was pretty minor, but she, as soon as she didn't feel good, she told everyone she went and got tested. Her car was broken down actually. So she, so Katie took her, <laughs> I took Nicole to get tested. And then I was like, well, you know, if we're doing this drive-through test anyway, I'll get tested too. Yeah. Cause it's been a while. And it feels to me like much like many of us in the poly community have a uh, history, a tradition, uh, I'm not quite sure what to call it, but we regularly go get tested for STDs because we want to be careful and responsible and make sure that we're not exposing our partners to anything. You know, even though we might generally engage in safe practices, we also double check that by getting tested for things regularly. And I feel exactly the same way about COVID. Like I'm being generally careful and also, I think we agreed recently in the podcule that every two to four weeks, mm-hmm. we'll just go have somebody stick a Q-tip up our nose again, because yep. it's that contagious. Um, as I have complained repeatedly, um, right now, Wisconsin is number four most pandemic hotspot in the United States. Our numbers are skyrocketing. It's scary. And I can trust myself and all of you as much as I want to, but this is an airborne thing and Mm -hmm. you can't be perfectly careful unless you're not leaving your house. And then, you know, people, if you're letting somebody come into your house, you know, I know you guys are, uh, Lindsay, controlling risks as much as you can, but you still have to go to work. And so that's, you know, you're being careful and making your risk calculations along with your husband to, for your family. And this is one of the choices that we decided to make for Mm -hmm. our polycule. Yeah. Yeah. Um, One thing I've appreciated about our safe, you know, in addition to just talking it to death and that is that, yeah, we agreed. Let's all go get tested every two to four weeks. But then we've also been helping each other, like remember to do that or, Hey, let's all go together. We all talked about flu shots and like helped remind each other to get flu shots. Um, And you guys went as a project, right? Four of us went together and got flu shots. I think it was last Saturday at a Walgreens. And I'd gone the week before with my kids, mm-hmm. and but I think my kids them. would actually completely hate going with other adults. So that would not have given <laughs> a good group project. It's also nice to have, for me, it's actually helped to have other people going, yeah, that makes sense. Let's get tested every two to four weeks. And having somebody else help me remember to do that. Mm-hmm. That's been huge. We're going again on Thursday. Mm-hmm. Nice. I had originally said, let's go to yesterday. But all of the drive-through places in Milwaukee are now closed on weekends. Oh, um, why? What the fuck? Uh, I well, I'm I'm blaming the president, but yeah. uh, I think that's legit actually because the National Guard sites are no longer. So I don't know who's running this site that just opened at Miller Park, but I don't think it's the National Guard. I think okay. that's all done in Wisconsin, which is insane. Given As we skyrocket yeah. right now. Yeah. Um, but at least there is still a free drive-through option. Um, and then I was like, oh, we should go Tuesday if we can't, since they're closed on Saturday. And then I was like, oh, I'm looking at a calendar now and I can't go Tuesday. <laughs> the time we would have gone is when my doctor, my daughter plays soccer. 
Um, which actually I'm going to circle back and say that also is like a risk thing that is, you know, something we've had to talk through. Uh, the mm -hmm. kids in our orbit are all in virtual school, but the nine-year-old does have a physical activity that's largely social distance and outside. Mm -hmm. My 12-year-old, we're letting her play soccer and she has one friend who we have allowed to her to sort of be in a bubble with but that was also something that was very long negotiation with the other mom mm -hmm. um on behalf of their family of you know really trying to make a calculus of the risk factors for their family and the risk factors for our two daughters mental health mm -hmm. because you know 12 year olds really need to have friends that's just it's developmentally doesn't work for them to be as alone as they had been mm. I also I think I want to also acknowledge like I feel really fortunate and I think we have a lot of privilege that none of us have autoimmune diseases that enables us yes. to do this kind of bubbling I know it's not an option everyone has mm -hmm. yeah um I I think it's working really well for us. I'm not saying this is a thing everyone should do because I, this is a scary thing. And I, like, I know people who are just, they're home and they don't get to talk to people. My mom, if my mom gets COVID, she's probably going to be dead. She has like all the risk factors. And so I don't see my mother. She lives downstairs from us. I only see her six feet apart with masks on and that's it. And it's, it's hard. So I just, I just wanted to, to mention yeah. that too. That I think that's a really important thing to recognize that we are people with access to healthcare. We are people who don't have highly dangerous underlying conditions. And those are positions of privilege right now in a way that they always have been positions of privilege, but it's, much more vividly clear right now than it has been prior to now in my lifetime. Yeah. Yeah. I feel, I feel really privileged, even though that we do have health concerns and, and we can't really at the moment, we can't bubble up with anyone, but we have, because I do go to work three days a week, I work in a, a like shipping and handling department. So I actually don't, I luckily don't have to work with customers very often. Like I might have to walk by them in the same context of like, say, walking by someone in a grocery store, but I don't have to spend any, I will never be with another person for more than 15 minutes for sure. You know, like that kind of thing. So then I feel a little bit safer knowing what I know, what we know now about COVID. Like generally you have to be breathing around someone for a certain period of time or more. Mm -hmm. So I feel pretty safe in going to work a couple days a week, but what was a really hard thing to find and and figure out was childcare because my husband is working from home and because he works in like IT and customer service, he can do everything from home. He can do it all on his phone and that is fine. But when he we were looking at the same time, yes, he cannot, he absolutely cannot watch our daughter who is a toddler um, while doing work and while helping people fix their computers, you know? So he, uh, so well, what we had to find was like someone who also has health problems because then we know they're being safe. <laughs> they're, they're staying home. And, and luckily our sitter is not only does she have health issues, but she has, uh, she works from home. So does her husband. She gets her groceries delivered. Like she is fully quarantined and has been this whole time. 
And we're incredibly privileged to have found someone who can, who we feel fully trust to, to watch our kid the, you know, three days we go out because we used to rely on grandparents and they're just not cutting it when it comes to safety protocols. They are going to groups, they're eating out, they're doing things that, and in general being safe, but just not quite enough that we feel comfortable and uh, refuse to get tested ever. Like they're just, we don't want to do it. It's uncomfortable. And we're like, okay, then, you know, I'm sorry, but you can't see your grandchild for another year. You know, like it's, it, it's mind boggling. And of course, everyone thought it was going to be so much shorter, but like, yeah, your son's life, you know, I relate so much. Um, my dad got it mm-hmm. and, um, you know, it scared them into safe behavior for a little while. Cause my mom didn't catch it from my dad. Like they quarantined from each other for a week. Um, but in some ways having gotten it and got better made my dad like, Oh, now I'm immune. I can do whatever I want. Right. And sounds familiar. Um, yeah. <laughs> and went along with that idea. So they weren't being crazy, but they were definitely taking a lot more risks than I'm comfortable taking, mm-hmm. like, you know, eating indoors in restaurants or going to the gym. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we had a huge health scare last week where uh, my dad had heart failure and the cardiologists think that his heart was damaged by the COVID infection. Oh, of course. And, um, you know, but now he has a pacemaker. So now he's immune again. And now he's making travel plans. Like he caught it traveling for work and he is gearing up for more traveling for work. And it's terrifying because we don't know that people are immune. We know there are documented cases of people not being immune Mm -hmm. and getting infected with different strains of it. Like the cold virus mutates. It's really scary out there. And Mm -hmm. I think, you know, being in a position to try to navigate these risks is obviously we're all adults and we're all going to make those decisions in our own ways. But it, I think the most critical thing about the idea of finding somebody to be in the functional podcule, polycule, chosen family, all of those things where you do get to see each other is you really do have to find people who are at your same level of risk analysis. Right. You were able to find that with a sitter and thank goodness that you were. Mm-hmm. We've been able to build it out in a polycule context. You know, my parents and a whole lot of other boomers are doing it in their own I don't understand it way with yeah. that I don't understand. With they, they're making their own roles and they're yeah, living their lives. They really and are. sometimes they're choosing these things based on their own analysis. Yeah. And we just have to figure out how to set boundaries that we feel comfortable with, which I think maybe as poly people, we have a slight advantage of because we are used to thinking about boundaries and negotiating boundaries and trying to figure out how to be clear about what we're comfortable with and what we're not, but it's awfully hard to have to do it so much. Yeah. Right. Yeah. My, my mother-in-law at one point had said like that they were bummed that we found our babysitter because if we hadn't found her, maybe then they would 
they would get, you know, our, our daughter. And I was like, no, no, actually the alternative would be, I quit my job. Like that would have been the alternative. I didn't want to quit my job. Didn't want to take a leave of absence for potentially a year or two. I, you know, like, like, how do you not it's like, it's, it's just, it's, how do you still not get this? Like, no, <laughs> if you don't take precautions, we can't see you. Yeah. And, and it's getting harder as it's getting colder out and it's Wisconsin. We are not able to social distance outside very comfortably anymore. We did most of the summer. It was great. We had backyard picnics, but that's not happening anymore. And then holidays are coming up. And they expect to see their grandchild for Thanksgiving and, and Christmas and they won't. And like, it's, yeah, it's really, really tough. I am dreading the holiday conversations. <laughs> my family hasn't had it. My biological and by marriage family haven't had that conversation yet. And I'm absolutely dreading it because nope. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty sure none of them listen to this podcast. So I don't think they're <laughs> well, yeah, what's my- really they're all over they're all over 60 right and so we are also protecting them i am going to work and have a potential risk factor there so like we're trying to save your life as well yeah please honor that (laughs) you know please help us out here but i feel like if my husband wasn't uh high risk that would not be an issue right and everyone has their own uh levels of of risk and, uh, and awareness there so it's it is a bit of a special circumstance but at the same time it's not because it's temporary unique, though you know yes, i mean it's, it's not unique, maybe yeah. a slightly you're you're a different example than where we are mm-hmm. but there are a lot of people out in the world who have health issues that make this a really dangerous right. risk for them. life or death right absolutely yeah. um and, 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 you know, I see always in the poly group, um, people who talk about if they weren't able to see other people, like the alternative for them is close to death, right? Is, is like depression, suicide or alcoholism or something like that, you know, turning to drugs for comfort. So in those situations, when you have no health issues whatsoever, it does seem like like the, the COVID is trivial as opposed to all of these other things. And I totally get that too. So I, I try not to judge when people are like, no, I need to see my partner. And it's like, yeah, I get it. I have, and I'm home with my partner. So I totally get it. I think it would be different if I was alone. It would be different. I know it would be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I definitely for a long time though, definitely chose like poorer mental health over seeing partners. Mm. I don't of us rushed into yeah well i think in march april a the rules were still clear you're not supposed to go out except to get groceries Mm -hmm. or if you were having a health crisis and even then like call the hospital and find out if your health crisis is crisis enough Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. and because of the way that the rules have changed not the science, but the policies and mm-hmm. the laws and the health requirements and regulations at the state level and the nothing at all of any use at the federal level. Um, you know, people have to figure these things out for themselves. And yeah, so, yeah. you know, the messaging is softened from the policymakers and the mental health needs can only be, you know, downplayed for so long. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I mean, I definitely was in the same situation, I think, you know, where we were both like, boy, I want this, but it's not worth the risk, you know, for a long time. Mm -hmm. But at some point, the mental health side of the equation moves. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I also kind of wanted to get into a little bit of how you guys are organizing like say family nights with all of you together. Are are you doing that often? Is it every night? I don't know. (laughs) It's been a lot more since we've had um, Peter and his daughter with us. (laughs) There's been, because I'm already definitely cooking since he is doing DIY projects all day. I am taken on a lot of the domestic stuff. Um, and so I am and definitely- nine-year-olds insist on dinner. I know. Like they may only want to eat mashed potatoes, but they still want to be fed something called dinner. <laughs> so I've been cooking like a meal every night rather than the usual mm, ramen sounds good. Um, <laughs> and so most nights, if we didn't already talk about it, if nothing else, I might just text and be like, Hey, tonight family dinner is, (laughs) and just telling people like, this is what I'm cooking. If you want to come over for dinner, come over. So we've had many, many family dinners this week. Um, And other times, sometimes we plan ahead and sometimes it's a little more organic. Nicole being so close, there's a lot more text. Like usually it's a text back and forth of, do you want to hang out tonight? And sometimes it's yes. And sometimes one of us says, I'm not peopling tonight. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. that is expected as well. (laughs) Nice. Um, Or like this morning, um, Nicole made brunch. And so I texted and said, there's brunch if you'd like to come over early, but that's fine if you don't want to. Um, I was really committed to laying on my couch under a blanket. (laughs) (laughs) Solid choice. Um, And we've planned some things like we're kind of loosely starting to make some Thanksgiving plans because we're not going to be with, you know... So not going to be seeing my parents because I am not going to put them at risk. And like we decided, you know, like October, we all love Halloween and we can't really do things. And so we literally, I went online and looked for things we could do that were safe and found a couple things. And, you know, we just planned over text, like who wants to do this? Great. Venmo me if you want. Otherwise, I've got you. It's cool. Yeah, we figured out a way to combine Easter and Halloween and Rob 3D printed a little coffins to put candy in and hide all over the house. <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah. I was, I was making elaborate plans in my head to do something like that for Peter's daughter. And then we finally got to talk about it. And he's like, she doesn't really trick or treat. She doesn't care. And I'm like, okay, nice. it's a pandemic and my brain isn't that great. So we're going to not do that. <laughs> but that sounds perfect. For we a three-year-old, have- it's great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I am a 39 year old who would enjoy that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and this is actually, I think a good way to sort of say like, the my kids have been sort of semi participating in all of this. Um, You know, my 12 year old is very social. And so when there've been bonfires in Sandy's backyard, she's been totally down for coming over and burning things and making marshmallows. My older child is much more, shy and uncomfortable with people. He's much more of an introvert. Um, So he hasn't participated in anything. And, you know, that may, and and also some of the other childcare things that might Mm -hmm. be needs for the Mm -hmm. nine-year-old, you know, we may be participating more in that and trying to figure out how to balance all of those things too. I have the kids um, half time. So I have some solo, solo poly time where I can come and be part of 
the team. And then there are other times when I have different obligations. And so, you know, that all has worked really comfortably and organically so far, but as we start approaching holidays, it might take a little bit more intentionality and thinking through, you know, how do I care and feed my introvert with all of these people who he has managed to successfully avoid meeting. <laughs> um, and I think actually you're having the kids have time has sometimes guided our plans. Like we know your daughter loves bonfires. So we'll plan a bonfire on a night when everyone's free, when you have the kids. Um, and then you know, like, oh, we'd really like to do an adult hangout. We'll plan that when you don't have the kids. <laughs> totally. Very much appreciated. Uh-huh. And it's sometimes it helps to have parameters <laughs> because the rest of us are just free flowing in space and it's a pandemic and time has no meaning. Um, and yeah, and like holiday stuff, like, you know, we've brainstormed, like, what can we do? What fun holiday activities can we do that are at home? So we're going to, there's definitely going to be some gingerbread house making. And, and one thing we thought is we can, we can do that at Katie's house and yeah. then your introvert can maybe come decorate a little if, if he wants and or come steal the candy, candy. <laughs> and, retreat. and that might be a good way to right gently him to... bring him into the community, but while re- where he can retreat to his space and we can yeah. respect that. Yeah, I think that the idea of a polycommune really only works if everyone has space, like literally everyone too, not like children and adults and, uh, you know, friends who are, are coming over, maybe like having space to retreat into your own little element, I think is really, uh, really, really important. So that makes a lot of sense that a functional polycommune will probably include multiple houses in uh, one big city, <laughs> but maybe not uh, out in the countryside. Right. Well, and it's convenient that, you know, you live across the street from Nicole. Mm-hmm. I live 10 minutes away. So these distances are not difficult. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is also why normally Peter doesn't come join us as much because it's right. much bigger job, a much bigger trip for him to come visit. But right. But now that now that they have have joined the pod, they they were the last ones to join the bubble because he is currently doing more parenting than than maybe he would do when there is not a pandemic on. So just realized that really them joining the bubble is the best way for him to get the support he needs. Um, right. So so now we you know we'll try and plan some deliberate things where they can join us. You know, like bonfire. It's going to get too cold for bonfires soon, which is going to be sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and. Mm. The one downside of bonfires is that it does leave all your clothes smelling terrible yes. the next day. <laughs> we had two bonfire nights in a row. And so all of my daughter's sweatshirts were stinky and she was super mad about it. <laughs> and then she also couldn't figure out why, even when she put everything in the laundry, like the, she couldn't figure out why there was still a smell. And she realized she's been, we haven't had haircuts and she's mm-hmm. been wearing a headband and the headband still smelled like stinky bonfire smoke. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I can't make it go away. It's everywhere I go. Like you're wearing it on your head. <laughs> that is why. <laughs> um, but we like, like any good polycule, I mean, we've all shared calendars, um, <laughs> but we also started a Google spreadsheet. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is so, so great. And we called it projects for, <laughs> nice. for Podcule projects. Um, 
a, a lot of it is like DIY stuff we want to do around our houses, some of which we don't need help for, but geez, just having a list of these are things we can do when we can't leave the house. Right. Um, and sometimes it's just more fun to do these things with company. Right. And sure. that's things are just fun things. Like yeah. I think you added a movie sheet to that. Like what movies have people not seen or do they want to see with each other? Yeah. So when we're hanging out in a conversation, you know, a movie will come up and someone will go, I never, I've never seen that. And someone else goes, you have to see that. It goes on the list. <laughs> and then we movie and game nights and things like that as yeah. well. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Game I think nights. that has happened less than it will probably happen as weather gets colder. Yes. Yeah. That makes sense. Definitely like a planning ahead for that with, okay, you know, and, you know, different people have Netflix versus Disney plus. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah or Hulu. So, you know, <laughs> whose house are we going to based on where is what we want to watch available? <laughs> that makes sense too. Yeah, for sure. So like going into the future, do you think that as things get safer and things get closer to normal, your bubble will grow or it will just pop? <laughs> like, I don't, do you have plans? I don't think anyone has plans because time yeah. has meaning. Um <laughs> That's fair too. I'm hoping it will feel more like the bubble can grow. Um, I mean, even, even if there is a vaccine next year and it is reasonably available, the science is suggesting it might be, you know, 50 or 60% effective. So that's worth getting, but it's not worth eliminating all of your safer practices over it's I don't even know how I feel like my risk analysis is going to change I mean I think it will but I don't really feel good about how at Mm -hmm. this it feels premature yeah but I feel like it's a lot like the flu shot like you're gonna get it but also don't just start licking doorknobs like right right. (laughs) that's such a perfect analogy um but Lindsay I love licking doorknobs (laughs) too bad um (laughs) right we should talk about it (laughs) it does remind me of my favorite Dan Savage story ever 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 which was about him going to um, the state of Washington Republican State Convention in 1996. And um, he got himself elected to be the delegate from his like 99% Democratic district. To So he was an official delegate to the state convention. And all he wanted, like he went so he could dress up and drag as the then candidate for governor. And he went to like, um, lick doorknobs or lick his hand and touch the doorknobs and like like just be totally like the germy gay man that they were afraid of like it was this but he wrote about it so hilariously that's awesome (laughs) so um yeah i'm I'm down with dan savage looking doorknobs but not okay that's fair that makes me uncomfortable (laughs) i hear you and i respect you and i will will modify that I think you're right that that's too high a risk. <laughs> but I do think to your point, I feel like we're probably all, I mean, we can see right now just from like looking at people's behavior and the data, people are making less risk reducing choices in Wisconsin right now. Mm-hmm. 
and not just people who want to go to Trump rallies, but people, people, Um, you know, MPS is voting on Tuesday about reopening hybrid in January. Um, So these conversations are happening everywhere and figuring out how to continue having them in a productive way that feels like as we make riskier choices, we're still making risk aware choices and we're still making sure that we're pretty close to the same page as the people that we are making those choices with. Or, I mean, you know, you like, we aren't all negotiating with all of each other all the time. You're having this conversation with Nicole and then telling me about it. And I'm saying (laughs) I'm comfortable with that too. And like that we all continue those kinds of behaviors as people's life choices continue to develop. Mm-hmm. So I, that I, so that's sort of closer to a pod expansion answer, I think, than a pod bubble pop answer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and honestly, even if even if there were vaccine and it was one hundred percent effective and like everything was great, I can't imagine that I would just go for the bubble pop method because I can't imagine I'd be comfortable with it or that my anxiety could handle it. Right, like you guys could do that, but I think I'd still be hiding at home for quite a while. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I think there's so many other uh, indicators of safety than just the vaccine. Like, I'm so excited about a vaccine. I'm going to be first in line as soon as they let me. But also, I know at least in Milwaukee, we have that uh, COVID dashboard website. I don't know if you guys check that as religiously oh, as I do. But they have uh, key indicators and there's like a green, uh, yellow or red light. They're almost all, except for hospital um, capacity, they're all red lights now, which is great. Yeah. Uh, they were green in September. Uh, but yeah, so I feel like once I have a little bit more of those key indicators turn to green light, you know, we have, a, a, you know, the numbers are on a downward trend for a considerable amount of time, you know, like all of those things really play into how comfortable I feel even leaving my house, much less say mm-hmm. bringing a date home. But but all of those things are going to have to to happen before I feel really comfortable. But I do have a very optimistic outlook that like the end of next summer, those things will will happen. You know, like those. I mean, again, fingers crossed, best laid plans. But like I, I do really feel like that is possible. And if you know we all work together, it'll be probable. So um, so I, I have high hopes. But. I'm going to be as careful as possible. So we'll see. No, I think that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I think we have to be careful and hopeful because if we can't, I mean, I think losing hope is, you know, the first step down that spiral of depression, anxiety, serious mental health health crisis. So even though sometimes it's hard to be hopeful, I'm clinging to it. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of the people who, who are no longer, following any safety protocols are the people who have lost hope, you know, like who cares? We're all going to get it anyways. So who cares? And I am not in that group yet. So, and I hope to never be. So I refuse to stop caring about people. Exactly. I'm going to keep being safe. Yeah. 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 Well, and very early on in the pandemic, Meng Yao, who we interviewed, I don't remember in what episode, but maybe a year ago, Mm -hmm. Um, recommended this book about the 1918 flu pandemic epidemic epidemic as like really this sort of hopeful thing. 
Really? Which was super weird because like, I mean, millions of people died and it was terrible, but it is also true that that's not something that very many people talked about for approximately a hundred years. It didn't have massive social change implications. We all still live a lot the same way we did before. And so that part was kind of hopeful, but also like the people who didn't, you, you, you can see how different cities responded to that pandemic, much like you can see how different re um, regions are responding here. And the places where people were like, whatever, it's fine, get over yourself, we're having a parade, those places fared worse. So like right. it was encouraging to me in a, if you are careful and try to limit your exposure, you might have a chance of not dying in this, mm -hmm. <laughs> like, which is a weird form of hope, but mm -hmm. it's a form of hope nonetheless. Right. Cynical hope is still hope. Yeah. <laughs> If you're one of the people who's taking a lot of precautions, then you're like, I can be helpful, hopeful because, you know, I'm one of the people who was actually helping. <laughs> right. And I mean, I feel like we can certainly try to be encouraging of people and encouraging of public health. And uh, as we said in the last episode, though, by the time this one goes up, it'll probably be after the election. But if it's not, vote, 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 yeah. vote, vote. Your vote matters. <laughs> Let's elect people who believe in science and public health oh it'll come out right after the election it'll come out on the 8th although we won't necessarily know who has won yet so we, we still might be in the thick of it <laughs> well then thank you everyone for voting right yeah. <laughs> thank you for voting i hope you live in a very beautiful future that's very blue uh <laughs> full of science yeah <laughs> yeah people listen to scientists and yes i'm Oh, okay. Is that is that the happy ending that we wanna that we wanna end on? <laughs> I'm I'm good with that. Yeah. I think that's a good happy ending. <laughs> okay. Future Lindsay here, and I just wanna thank you all so much for voting. I am so incredibly happy with the turnout of this election and this is just so great. <laughs> okay. And I want to thank Sandy for being on the podcast. We totally ended without saying thank you. Thank you so much, Sandy. Okay. And that is it from us at Polyamory Uncensored. We have been Lindsay Miller. And Katie Williams. We'd like to thank podcast husband Rob for being our sound engineer. And thank you, Lindsay, for editing this podcast so that we sound smart. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Polyamory Uncensored. Contact us at polyamoryuncensored at gmail.com if you have a listener question or a comment. And if you'd like to support us at all, you can send us a monthly contribution at anchor.fm slash polyamoryuncensored and simply click on the support this podcast button. If you'd like to support the podcast with a one-time contribution, we've set up a PayPal link to make it super easy. Thank you for your support in any amount at paypal.me slash polyamoryuncensored. We hope you've enjoyed this episode and remember, we love you. Bye. Bye.